listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. Hey, this is Scott Love, and welcome to the Rainmaking Podcast. There's a lot of hiring going on. It's at a record speed, a record pace. And the question I have for you is this. How do you get your new Rainmakers to quickly produce? Well, the answer to that question is what we're going to find out in my interview with Mark Roberts. Mark is a senior-level sales and marketing leader with over 35 years' experience driving profitable sales growth and market-leading organizations. He's a speaker and an author and a consultant, and he works with organizations to diagnose and improve sales effectiveness and hire and develop sales talent to improve sales results. His popular business development blog is nosmokeandmirrors.com, and we're going to put that link and other links on the show notes. I hope you get some great ideas from my interview with Mark today. As always, if you got a minute, if you could go to Apple Podcasts and write a nice five-star review with some comments about Mark's interview, I'd really appreciate that. And also, thank you for the emails. I've gotten emails from people telling me that they really appreciate the podcast, the fact that it's consistent, all about business development, and I really appreciate that. If there are any specific topics or experts that you want me to interview, send me a note. I'd be happy to reach out to them. And as always, thanks for listening. Hey, this is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. Our guest today is Mark Allen Roberts, who trains rainmakers. And we're going to talk about how do you get your new rainmakers to produce. Mark, thanks for joining me on the show today. Oh, thanks for inviting me. I look forward to the conversation. Absolutely. And your topic, I think, is something that every executive, every manager wants to know. And kind of let's give some perspective. They've conducted a search. They found a handful of candidates who are rainmakers. They've interviewed them. They've done their diligence. They paid a big headhunting fee. And the person starts. How do we know? So let me ask you this. How do we know with a high degree of certainty that that rainmaker is going to produce? What are your thoughts about that, Mark? Well, there's specific capabilities and competencies that all rainmakers have. Mm -hmm. So what I'd like to do is let's actually back up a little earlier in the process. For example, I use a, an assessment instrument. So before you even make your offer, Let's take a look at that person's, you know, 21 or so competencies mm -hmm. and do they have the ability to be a rainmaker? Interesting. They may be very skilled at their discipline. I know you work with a lot of attorney's offices, mm -hmm. possibly some accounting firms. You know, they may be very strong in their discipline, but are they wired to build a book of business? Let's say we find out that we want them on our team, but they're not wired to be a rainmaker. That's not a problem. These are skills that can be taught. You know, in my world, you know, again, I, I work with a lot of manufacturers and sales engineers, mm -hmm. and not many of them went into this profession to be a salesperson. Right. That's right. So what we've done is we've created a number of courses to help people have commercial conversations that turn into revenue. Well, that's interesting. Let me kind of back up. You said there's an assessment instrument. Is that measuring them based on personality? Is it extroverts versus introverts? What are some of the things that you're looking at with this instrument? And is it something that can be gamed? Can somebody kind of figure out how to, how to play it and manipulate the data? That's a great question. Actually, what you first asked me about as far as personalities, I don't look at personalities. I'm more interested in their motivations and their skills. Right. Okay. Personality, what I found, I've been helping salespeople 
grow for 36 years. And I've seen some amazing introverts in sales. Yeah. So we really can't go by that. No, the instrument I use actually is just for sales and business development. Mm-hmm. And it looks at 21 competencies. And it was written by a PhD psychologist. So you can't beat the test. Okay. As a matter of fact, if you try <laughs> to beat the test, the test will tell me. Oh, really? Really? So let me let me back up a second. You said you're more interested in, and what did you say? You What are you really more interested in? I'm interested in, do they have, for example, the skills, beliefs, and motivations to be successful? One of the biggest things that I look for is the will to sell. It's one thing to understand how to sell, but do you have the will to sell, to pick up the phone, start conversations that turn into a book of business? What I find is a lot of people understand their discipline. They might understand sales topics, but they don't want to pick up the phone and do the work. Right, right. So for folks like that, you know, we can do training. We can set them up with processes and tools, uh, lead nurture campaigns. You know, there's always a solution. But my challenge is know what you're getting before you make the offer. I've helped a couple law firms. And what I found was, you know, they made an offer. It was a very expensive offer. Right. And they expected a particular ROI. And then 12 to 18 months into the agreement, all of a sudden, you know, the cost of that associate is still there, but the book of business just never happened. So let me let me kind of talk about this, the will to sell. Yeah. Uh, as you know, I recruit partners for big law firms, and most of them are not salespeople. They didn't go to law school to be a salesperson, kind of like we, what you talked about with sales engineers. They wanted to be an engineer, but now they're in sales, and every partner in a law firm is judged based on his or her ability to sell and get the work. Is that something that can be developed? Is that something that a lawyer eventually finds out, I got to start getting business? Is, what do you think about that? Yes. Actually, again, back to the analogy of sale of engineers. For about two years, my entire job for one corporation was to onboard engineers and teach them how to be salespeople. The same would hold true for attorneys. They're very smart. Mm-hmm. So I don't have any issues with them being able to learn it or whether or not they're coachable. Right. Sales is a skill just like anything else, right. and it can be taught. Unfortunately, today, with some of the constraints due to the pandemic, I'm doing those trainings virtually, mm-hmm. but they can be done live, online, virtual, whatever the client wants. Right. So what is the biggest surprise that you've seen in your 30 plus years? When you look at the assessments, what's the most surprising element of that? What surprised you the most from your research? The ability to close. What do you mean by that? People have the ability to have really good, let's say, conversations. They're really good at presenting how they solve problems, what they do. But because they've never learned discovery or qualifying skills, they're really not prepared to have the closing conversation. Based on what we've just discussed, you know, when can we engage? Are you prepared to make a commitment? You figure over 68% of salespeople never ask for the order. So just imagine with professional firms, it's much greater. So let me kind of go into this. This poses with it an element of risk because they can say, no, I can be rejected. And I've always been taught I don't want to be intrusive. So how do you get professionals, especially those that let's just call them, they're more categorized like engineers or lawyers. They're not the traditional backslapping, swashbuckling rainmakers that we would envision. They've had to come into this. They've had to learn that. 
isn't there some risk associated with this? Well, now what we're talking about is mindset. Just yesterday, I did a webinar on sales mindset. One of the things I really like about the tool that I use is it looks at the mindset. Do they have any limiting beliefs? And one of the limiting beliefs that could really hurt a rainmaker is the need to be liked. What you just discussed is something we look for. If you have a high need to be liked, you're not going to ask those really good questions that get below the surface that actually give you an unfair advantage of winning the business. The other issue that a, a limiting belief is money. We all have some kind of a belief about money anyway. But if we find that you have a limiting belief where if, if you talk about money, you have the urge to discount. If the size of the order gets larger and larger and the discount needs to go immediately, you know, based on the size of the order, we need to reframe those thoughts. And the way I do that is with data. The webinar I did yesterday was about mindset. And quite a few salespeople believe, well, the pandemic is actually not a good time to prospect, for example. Right. But if you look at the statistics and the data, Harvard just did an article, 45% of supply chain managers are struggling today. I would argue that the data tells us it's the best time to prospect. Right. So what does the data tell us about a professional firm? And I'm kind of known as a data-driven guy. Mm -hmm. And the process that I use, I call it no smoke and mirrors. It's not very fancy. You're not going to have a whole bunch of acronyms when you work with me. What you're going to have is data. So what I recommend is first assess your team and understand their strengths and then gaps that could be developed. And again, those can be developed within three to six months. It's not okay. you know, that difficult. But then also reach out to your customers. Clearly understand the challenges that they're dealing with right. and make sure that your offering is in the words of your customer. And again, my team, we have 26 people on the phones and we typically can interview a book of customers anywhere from 50 to 100 oh, wow. within, within 30 days. Right, and right. We'll give you the data. So we'll show you the strengths of your team. We'll show you your customer satisfaction. We'll show you whether or not they're recommending you. And then your customer's voice is so powerful. It, it'll actually tell you what they want and how they want it. This is interesting. So let me kind of go back. I liked everything that you said. I think it's logical. I think it's very smart. Let me talk about that sales mindset again. Yeah. Uh, this is interesting because the legal profession has avoided the word sales. But what has been interesting to me is seeing big law firms, top 100 law firms, where they've had a chief sales officer. It's not just marketing, it's sales. And they realize they've got to sell the work. And it is a mindset. How do you help professionals come to terms with the fact that they have to sell, but they don't want to be seen as salesy? And how do they overcome that limiting belief? That's really what I believe could be the reason why they're not successful in terms of business development. Yeah, the root cause of most challenges with business development is mindset, by the way. Right. Once we uncover what that root belief is and reframe it, that's when the magic happens. For example, myself, I've been in sales 36 years. I haven't sold anybody in 30. I've helped them. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. And one team that I was working with, I remember a veteran was just adamant that I don't need a coach. I don't need training. And we got to the bottom of it. He didn't believe that he could sell virtually. So he was waiting for the phone to ring. He was waiting for referrals. And once we got to the root of it, he felt it was rude to interrupt people throughout their day and make calls. Right. 
So we got to the root of that. And all I did was reframe it. Do you think during this challenging time with all these constraints, some of your customers have problems? Yeah, I would think so. And you've been in sales for what, 30 years? Yes. Is there a high probability that something that they're dealing with today, you've already dealt with? Yeah, pretty much. So why don't you go out and instead of sell, let me teach you how to have really good discovery calls, find out what those problems are and offer to help them. Oh, I could do that. That is actually business development, but we had to reframe it for him. That's interesting. That's really interesting. Have you, when you've worked with law firms, have you kind of reframed the language that they use? Absolutely. You know, again, whatever the discipline is, you know, whether it's you're concerned about diversity and inclusion, you're concerned about, you know, workers comp. I mean, what, whatever your expertise, your thought leadership level is, then what we do is we create questions based on your thought leadership, right? right. People buy for two reasons, trust and competence. So there's a high probability, particularly with law firms, they're competent. I mean, I've met some amazing, intelligent people that I've worked with. Mm-hmm. Where they struggle is building that trust early. And the way you build trust is by the nature of the questions that you ask. Wow, I've talked to a lot of attorneys, but nobody asked me that question. Right. Well, maybe they should have. You know, one thing I've noticed just in my own journey of business development, when I first started out doing legal recruiting years ago, I didn't know what I was doing. So I asked a lot of questions and I found that people made a judgment about me based on the quality of the questions. And they never asked me anything because they thought I knew everything because I was was asking the questions. And so, and I've learned that uh, you're absolutely right. When you ask good questions, people are making a judgment about you. They're coming to a judgment about your competence based on the quality of those questions. Uh, So I think that's a brilliant concept that you have, Mark. So let me ask you this, the other limiting belief the need to be liked. What does that mean? Where do you think that comes from? And how do you think people in business development can get over that? Well, I think it comes from way back when, like if you've taken any sales courses or if you've read any books or articles, you've heard the expression, people buy from people they like. That's right. No, actually what the statistics show is people buy from people they respect. Interesting. So I don't think it would be that big of an adjustment for an attorney or any professional firm to move to the need to be respected as opposed to being liked. Again, highly intelligent people. They're very skilled at the craft that they do, but we need to set them up to be seen as competent based, again, on the questions that they ask, the conversations that they ask. Again, that's my feeling is. We got to overcome this need to be liked, because if you have a high need to be liked, you're not going to ask the right questions that actually turn into revenue. That's a great concept. What about this other limiting belief? You talk about money. I've seen some of my clients, they talk about when I say what's different, what's distinct, what can you say about your firm that no one else can say? Some of them say, well, we can charge less. And you know how that narrative eventually goes. Tell me about that. Where does that come from? And how do you think people can manage that? Yeah, I actually, part of one of the firms that I helped was a professional pricing firm. And there's- What's that? What's a pricing firm? What's that? Oh, strategic pricing. What they do is they actually come in, they slice and dice your data, and we tell you what's the best price based on the price sensitivity of the offering. And what we found was one of the biggest 
indicators of whether or not people can command a good price is whether the salesperson believed in the value of their offering. So again, this is sales 101, you know, value-based selling. So it's almost unfair for us to expect, let's say, an attorney to sell based on value if they've never been taught the skill, right? Mm. You know, if they have an hourly rate of 350, 500, 750, based on their, their competence, they probably are worth that. Yeah. But they need to be able to explain the value of why them. If people immediately go to discounting, they have a perceived value of what they're worth in the marketplace that's probably not true. Right. How have you helped organizations strategically? I'm just curious, as a consultant, what have you done with the leadership to help them to deal with that issue? Well, again, I'm a big voice of the customer fan. Uh, one of the things that you know I'm going to supply you after this is a link to an ebook I wrote on leveraging the voice of your customer. So if somebody wouldn't want to hire me and my firm, they could actually do it themselves. I teach you how. Understand your customers. Quick example, one of my clients in Kentucky, we went out, we did voice of the customer work, and the CEO was told for years by sales that they were too expensive, 20 to 30% higher than everybody else. But when we spoke to their customers, one of their customers even said after they answered the question, you know, are you we competitive? Yeah, actually, it's a steal. You probably should be charging more. <laughs> and, and that was a huge interruption to the CEO. So let's let the customers decide based on the value that you provide. And again, that's an economic conversation. And buyers today, there was a study uh, done by Florida State, 85% of buyers today, people that you're engaging with, expect you to connect the dots between what you offer and the value it delivers them. But then the research firm asked, well, how many people do that? And the answer was less than 15%. Right. So again, this is a teachable skill. I I call it speaking the language of business. Mm -hmm. Again, luckily for you, I mean, your clients are all smart, professional people. If they wanted to improve their golf game, they could go to the driving range and hit two buckets of balls. But I promise you, most of your clients hire a pro. Yeah, that's right. That's what happened with me when I joined a club two years ago. Work started working with the pro. All of a sudden, wow, the handicap changes. It comes down. You get better. You know what you're doing wrong. You know what to do right. You're absolutely right. Well, when I hired a pro, I thought he was going to work on my drive. He's like, Mark, you only have 18 drives. Let's work on your short game. Yeah. Yeah. And that's because he's the pro, right? Right. And he taught me skills. He taught me different ways of, of standing, different ways to swing the club. The same thing is true for any professional service organization. You can be taught the skills of business development and rainmaking. It's a skill set. If you right. wanted to get in better shape, You could go to the gym and start lifting weights, but what a lot of your clients do is they hire a trainer. Mm -hmm. So why in something as important as your business are people not going to a professional and getting help? Right. Let me ask you this. Let's say somebody's listening and they want to get a few questions they can ask during an interview to make sure somebody has a high likelihood of bearing fruit, of being able to bring the business over and continue to get more work. What would you recommend, like if there were, let's just call it three action steps that somebody could take in terms of interviewing rainmakers to make sure they can hire those people that can produce, what would be those three action steps you'd recommend? Well, first, again, I'm a big fan of data. So I would use a pre-hire assessment. Mm -hmm. Uh, The tool that I use actually determines 
You know, are they a hunter, a farmer, a fisherman, a whole new style of sales that happen as a result of digital marketing? Use the assessment early. I would also take a look at what your customers want and need. And then if I had to ask them a question, I would ask them behavioral questions in the interview. Tell me about a time when you brought on a new client. What was the process? Uh, What was the situation? And what was the result? What you'll find is when you start asking behavioral questions, people will talk about what happened, but very rarely will they talk about the result. When you find somebody that says, I engaged with this client, they were having a problem with X, I came in, I saved them $422,000. Okay, now that's a person that I want to bring on board. They understand value-based selling. Yeah, that's interesting. That's absolutely right. And so you mentioned some of the work that you do. Give us a more fulsome picture. What are the offerings that you have that those people listening can really benefit from? And we're going to definitely put any links and information about you on the show notes. So everybody that's listening, you can go to the show notes to get Mark's information. Well, if you Google the term fixed sales problems, typically I'm number one in the world. Mm. I've spent my life helping companies improve sales. And the way I do it is through data, whether it's assessing your team, speaking with your customers, analyzing your transaction data. And again, my clients, and I'm sure yours, all have very smart people. And if they had good data, they could make great decisions. Right. And often I help shape those decisions and shape those strategies based on data. And then you do the consulting. And then so once we find the data, what other parts of your business do you have? You mentioned that you have people that do research on your team. Yeah, we do research. But let's say we identify some gaps, gaps in how you sell. And maybe some of the gaps are what your website is saying. Maybe your website is too much about you and not about the problems that you solve. Mm -hmm. So we can help you with messaging. Maybe the gap is your rainmakers have never been taught how to be a rainmaker. Well, then I can do training. Usually, I believe in training over time. One and done training does not work. There's a thing called the forgetting curve. They will forget 90% of what you just taught them within 48 hours if they don't have reinforcement. So the way I teach is I do a little bit, real short little segments with application exercises to make it stick. Oh, that's great. And then I come alongside my clients with coaching. Look, we're all busy. They were all busy when they first engaged with me. So all I do is help keep them on track on what they committed they wanted to do. So I work collaboratively with the leaders of my teams and we put together a plan. Sometimes that plan is training. Sometimes it's a virtual training, online training, face-to-face training. Sometimes they want me to attend meetings with them and coach them after the meeting. Mm. Whatever the client feels based on the data that we've discovered is how we work together. Well, Mark, thank you for being here on the show. You've got some great ideas for people listening. I'd recommend going back and listening to this episode again. There's a lot of content and a lot of ideas and definitely check out Mark's information and reach out to him. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for being on the show. I hope to have you back here in the future. Oh, well, thank you. And again, if you're struggling with rainmaking, don't worry. It's just like your short game. We can improve it. That sounds great, Mark. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com. <laughs>